What's good, Education World? Jamal Thomas here and could not be more happy to present to you episode 39 of the Black on Black Education podcast. And guess what? We have reached a milestone. This is our one year anniversary. That's right. One whole year of putting out these episodes and talking to people about how we are going to transform education in the black community. Could not think of a better person to sit down with and share this particular episode with than the illustrious Dr. Chris Emden. This brother brings so much passion to the education field. It's something that you can't find uh, almost anywhere. Uh, even, abs- even I absolutely loved having this combo, and he helped crystallize for us exactly why it is that we are doing this work. Um, just to mention a few of the many things we talked about, uh, we reimagined what the school day looks like. Uh, we talked about hip-hop as a part of the solution to our community's education challenge, and we talked about how to ignite a love of learning throughout our communities. You do not want to miss one minute of this incredible conversation. And with no further ado, let's make it happen. I know, I know, I know. I said, let's make it happen. And you thought the conversation was coming up, but I would be remiss if I did not send out a final reminder that the Black Education Conference is happening. It's happening this coming weekend, August 22nd and 23rd. Um, You can also join us on August 20th for our student voice and choice night. Black on Black Education and the Black Education Agenda are coming together to create the first Black Education Conference. If you're an educator, a parent, a policymaker, a change agent in the education space, if you're somebody who touches the lives of black students, this is the conference you want to be at. We put together an interactive and action-oriented space where educators are going to engage with resources that share about the service of black students. We'll have panels on financial literacy, early childhood education, virtual learning, and student support. We'll have presentations and workshops on culturally relevant pedagogy, teacher training, entrepreneurship, uh, on how to support LGBTQ students, ed tech, financial literacy, and even a restorative healing circle. This conference is going to be amazing. We are so looking forward to having you guys join. If you're looking to get tickets, you can go over to blackonblackeducation.com and click on the Black Education Conference tab. You can also head over to our Instagram page, which is at Black on Black Ed. The link you can be found there. Uh, We definitely look forward to seeing you guys at the conference um, so much so that you can use the B-O-B-E 25 discount code. That's B-O-B-E 25 discount code um, to get 25% off your tickets. Um, Now, with no further ado, Dr. Chris Emden. Okay, here we are. Here we go. Here we are. Yeah, what's good, y'all? What's, the, what's that shirt say, man? What's that shirt say? So this, this shirt is from one of my, my good brothers who's an educator, and it says, Teach, Hustle, Inspire. Facts. You love it. Yeah, love yeah. It. And it's just one of, my, it's one of my favorite joints. A really, really good dude, Sean Woodley. And um, this is part of his merch. So whenever I get on space, I try to rep for my folks. So I'm rocking his joints today. Usually I'm rocking the hip-hop head joints. But I got I'm, rock, I'm rocking the Teach, Hustle, Inspire today. Love it, love it. One day you'll be repping us. I'll say Black or Black Education. Send me a joint or let me know when I can cop. I'll go pick it up. Put the address in the DM and there's one on the way. All right, done. That's love. Appreciate that. 
Yes. So we're going to give people just a few more minutes to get in, two more minutes, and then we are going to get to this conversation that I, for one, have been looking forward to for a long, Absolutely. long time, man. Absolutely. Oh, um, man, I'm, I'm psyched to be able to do it. I'm sitting here with my little ones, so you, we, we might hear a little noise or two in the backdrop, but otherwise, we're good to go. That's life. It, it looks pretty where you at. Where are you? Man, I, I got, I'm at a little spot, a little further upstate New York. Okay. And we got some trees. They got the, the babies are on the water. And, you know, it's just, you know, sometimes you need a little getaway. Yeah. I, I got to ask you how you define upstate New York, because people say I live upstate and I never appreciate it. Like, I really get offended. So where, where's upstate We're, now? No, I'm far up. I'm in Saratoga Springs. That's past That's upstate. That's upstate. That's upstate. There we go. That's Our upstate. New Yorkers. Where, where are you guys at? <laughs> We're in Westchester. You know, it's all relative. Westchester's upstate if you live in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just talked to somebody. I met somebody from Brooklyn this afternoon on another event, and I said I'm from Westchester. She said I'm from upstate, and I was like, I do not fight women, but you know, what I'm <laughs> don't 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 come with that upstate stuff, man. <laughs> I ask love. Now Westchester's home, man. Especially for those of us who are in the Bronx. I'm from the Bronx originally. Okay. Westchester's like you know it's right up the block. Giving a jump. Precisely. I uh, I spent a lot of time in uh, in the Bronx in my uh, in my younger days. <laughs> okay. So I, uh, you, right. I think it. we're gonna go ahead and kick this thing off. Thank you so much for joining us here, Chris. Um, you know, people. I imagine most of the people who are on here know exactly who it is you are. Uh, we've been having these uh, super school events. Um, it, it got inspired by a text from, I mean, a, a tweet from uh, Meek Mill, and he said he knows knows a whole bunch of people with uh, with a lot of money. There's like. 30 abandoned buildings in Philly. Why don't we start some super schools? So we said, mm. you know, what, what exactly would that look like? And mm. uh, your name was definitely one who popped up that uh, that we feel like can help, you know, fill in the gap and, and, and answer that question. So why don't you start with telling people a little, little bit about yourself um, and then, uh, you know, we'll get into how we can create some super schools. Of course, man. So my name is Chris Emden. Um, I am, uh, you know, a, a New York City kid. Um, you know, raised most of my life in Brooklyn initially and then the Bronx. Um, always had a passion for education. Also always had a passion for science. So my training initially was in the sciences. So by training, I'm an anthrobiochemist by training. Uh, did some research, uh, ideology, schizophrenia research. Um, my master's in natural sciences, but education always called me. And so I, I had a pretty good career set up for me in the sciences. Yes, son, I see you. Daddy's talking. Yeah, and, um, and um, you know, I had a career in the sciences, a pursuing the sciences, and, and I found that the, the places where I loved the most to be was when I was working with young people, just volunteer work in schools and after-school programs, and I decided I was going to follow my heart and my passion and pursue education full-time and, um, and, and did that to the chagrin of everybody in my community. They were like, yo, you a scientist, you mad smart. Why would you want to go into education? And I'm like, yo, y'all understand, like, education is what makes my heart speak. Like, that's what my, that puts my soul on fire. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be able to merge my, my world. So um, when I taught, I was a middle school math and science teacher, a high school physics and chemistry teacher, and then went on to pursue higher education, but always had my foot in the classroom. So I, you know, I'd be in higher ed spaces and Ivy League institutions and all that, but I still be in the hood in the schools every single day through a couple of projects that I run. And for me, it's just like exemplifying my philosophy, which is that you never have to choose between one or the other. You could be a scientist and educator. You could be hood and, and be brilliant. You could do all at once. And so um, I had the blessing to be able to do all the things that I love all at once. And that's what brought me to where I am today. 
Okay. Beautiful. Okay. I love it. And, interestingly enough, and we never actually in the beginning of these days take the time to kind of introduce ourselves. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm Jamal. I, I, I fancy myself an educator, though it's not in the traditional sense. Um, love working with kids, you know, in, any, in every opportunity that I get. I was a horrible student. Um, but then I had this young lady and, and she's a was has always been an incredible student who I also just found out she's going to be an earth science teacher. So y'all, you know, y'all got a connection, you know, y'all got a connection there. Um, and we've just always had all of these conversations about what, you know, what the future of education should look like. And, and, you know, we've had agreements and we have our disagreements as well. Um, but the shared passion is, 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 is absolutely, sorry. Um, <laughs> the shared passion, um, has, has always kind of, kind of, kind of been there. So, um, you know, black and black education was kind of her, um, love child. She, she, I let her say, you know, what, what's your title? Yeah, you said kind of, title? it is my love <laughs> Hey, you better my claim, claim, your, claim your intellectual property, sis. <laughs> my name is Eva Loren Jean Charles. Everyone calls me Eva. Um, I started black on black education a little over a year ago because if there can be black on black crime, there can be black on black education. And so we're gonna have mm. a, a uh, conversation about the black community and how we have always been down for each other, contrary to popular belief. Let's have a conversation Back. on how we can be down for each other when it comes to, to educating these kids and educating ourselves so that we can better our communities. Um, and so that's why we're here. That's why we're having this conversation. And I'm so excited. I'm fangirling a little bit, not going to lie. Oh, that's love. Um, but <laughs> I that's am love. Love is love. Super, super excited. I'm super mm. excited to be talking to you. <laughs> Yo, you know what's so lit? Like the first thing already that I want to just bring up, um, if you're going to imagine a super school, you, you guys touched upon it already, which is this notion that to be an educator requires a credential mm. by the state or by an institution. And here's the thing, whenever folks of color, black folks in particular, look to institutions to give us the credential to do what we innately know how to do, what we're doing is allowing our oppressor to give us the green light to do our work. Mm -hmm. And so many of us within our communities who don't have the academic credential have the street credentials to be amazing educators who know how to connect with young folks, who know how to be able to tell stories, who know how to be able to be emotionally connected to young folks, but they always have had an aversion for institutions of higher education because those institutions historically have marginalized those with the most brilliance. So for me, if you're thinking about super schools, the first step would be not requiring certification by a state or some sanctioned body that defines who it is, could be or could not be an educator. Because somebody could be a not good test taker, but an amazing person who gives life to young folks, who needs to be in the school body, connecting to young folks. When you said like, I was not the best educator, I always say the best educators are actually those who are never that successful in traditional education because they know firsthand what did not work for them. And because they know what did not work for them, they can articulate a vision for what the new possibilities could be. That those who worked well within traditional schools are oftentimes the worst educators because they're the ones who have learned to acquiesce and bend themselves to the whim of institutions of higher education. So they've learned to be trained to do what schools want them to do. And when you're trained to do what schools want you to do, you go into schools and replicate the same oppressive practices that work for you, but did not work for a majority. So the best educators are those who are entrenched in community, who have connections to young folks, credentials don't define an educator, circumstances don't define an educator, what they do in, 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 in relationship to young folks to set souls on fire is the, the ultimate definition of who's an amazing educator, which is why hip hop artists are those who I speak to so much because hip hop artists in meter and rhyme with, with speaking over rhythms in storytelling, and speaking to the soul of their audience, have this innate ability to be able to draw in an audience. And those are the folks we need to recruit to the classroom. Absolutely. And I think something that you touched on that I love so deeply is how much um, 
a part of creating a super school are the educators in that building, right? So let's just talk and start off by talking a little bit about what educators need to be armed with to go yeah. into classrooms and support students regardless of socioeconomic status, but specifically for those who are living in low-income communities and who have historically not received the education that they deserve. You know, the, the chief thing any educator needs to be armed with is the recognition that the, the job or the work or the craft of teaching is one that's innately part of being a, a person with melanin. And, and what, I, what I say to that is historically folks of color have, black folks in particular, have been pushed to the margins. And what, what happens when people are pushed to the margins is that you develop a certain kind of creativity. And that creativity for black folks has always been in storytelling, it's always been in song, and it's always been in following an oral history tradition. You see, in our histories, by history, we were not, we were not supposed to, learn, to read or write. If you were black in the United States and you were able to read or write, at one point, you could be lynched. So because we could not read or write, or we were, we were being punished by our life to read or write, we developed other skill sets. And those skill sets were the spirit of the orator, the spirit of the storyteller, the spirit of the narrative builder. And so the first thing that you have to understand if you um, want to be an educator, I, don't, I think I lost you for a minute. Oh, the first thing you got to understand if you want to be an educator is that the skill set required to be an educator is one that's inbuilt into our ancestors. So mm -hmm. You cannot follow a Eurocentric tradition if you want to meet the needs of black and brown bodies. Mm -hmm. To meet the needs of black and brown bodies, you have to draw from an ancestral, particularly Afrocentric storytelling tradition mm -hmm. as the anchor of being an instructor. So that's, that's the first one. The second one is that to be an educator is to be an activist. So if you choose to teach and you don't see activism as part of your job requirement, then you signed up for the wrong job. Particularly if you want to meet the needs of, meet the needs of black bodies, because your job has to be to set black folks free and to understand that traditionally edu education, the education system, has been meant to paralyze black and brown bodies and, and chop them off from their ancestral history. So if you want to be an educator for black and brown bodies, you know, you got to be able to realize that your work is to be an activist. Teaching and activism is one and, one and the same. And, if, and a lot of educators don't recognize that, which is why they, fall, they fail when they go with young people. Because you go into a classroom thinking you're about to follow curriculum, but your mission and your vision is to be able to set folks free. So young folks are looking for you to set them free, and you out there enacting curriculum that paralyzes them even, for, and even more, then they choose not to learn from you. You know what I mean? So it's ancestral work, spirit work, knowing where your strength calls from or is drawn from. You know what I mean? Then after that, it's a passion for your content. You can't see something that you don't love. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm an educator writ large, but I'm a science educator because I love science. You know what I mean? I love the beauty and the wonder of the universe. You know, I love the, um, the magnificence of the cosmos. You know, I love being able to understand how things work and how they operate. I love the chemistry of phenomena. I love looking out in the skies and wondering why they're blue and looking at rainbows as refraction and reflection. I love how can you make a plant green by photosynthesis and, and how the soil and the sun come together to create this magical shade of green. And then that life force gives us oxygen and we breathe in the oxygen and breathe out the carbon dioxide. That we, we exist in a universe that has a whole other language outside of where we are. So when I teach, I teach with a passion for science and then a recognition of my ancestral tradition that I draw from, you put those two together, ain't no young person I can't connect to. That's not hubris or ego. It's just recognizing where, I, where my, 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 my spirit force is drawn from my ancestors, merged that with my passion, merged that with my blackness and my hip hop skills. It's a Rizzy, I'm built for this. <laughs> and, and, so, and so it's not just kids, you know, it's adults too, because I wanna go out and learn some of them things you just talked about in, in, in ways that I didn't do when I was in school, like I, I, I just, I got, I felt a little, like you know, the energy was, you know, was was nothing short of, of magnificent. So, you know, how did that happen for you? How, how did it happen 
um, that you developed that love? Because, you know, we often talk about, you know, as we build the bricks of said super school, a love of learning is a part of those, you know, like it has to be a part of the foundation. How'd you develop that love? You know, knowledge itself, bro. Um, so part of the super school's preparation process, how do you get your, um, your educators to be on point? Knowledge itself. If you look at hip hop, the elements of hip hop, uh, you know, it's b-boying, it's, it's, it's um, graph, you know what I mean? It's emceeing. The most significant element of hip hop is knowledge itself. And knowledge itself, if you draw from a 5% tradition, or even if you draw from a psychoanalytic pers uh, uh, perspective, um, is knowing who you are, but also knowing whose you are. <laughs> mm. and, yeah, and your educators got to understand that. They got to understand who they are as in, who am I on this planet? Who am I built to be? What am I designed for? And then also, who do I belong to? Whose tradition am I following? You know, I, I am, I'm part of the evolution of the history of black and brown bodies who have come to be able to speak truth to power. Once you understand that you're not doing work on your own, but you're a part of a collective that's bigger than you, your, your operation sounds different. So the super school got to focus on how do you prepare teachers to teach? Mm. And then the teacher preparation has to be on them understanding who they are and whose they are. Um, if they are black teachers and the, te the school, the teacher body got to represent the student body always, right? So the students can see themselves. But it's also helping those teachers to gain their knowledge itself. That, you know, you know who are you? You know, who built you? Um, what are your traditions? Are you Caribbean? Are you African-American? Are you, are you indigenous? Are you white? Um, you know, if you're white, where from Europe are you from? What, are you, what have your people come through? What is, what is deposited into your bones that always oozes out of you? You know, in the world of science right now, that the, big, the biggest sort of area that is ripe for more interrogation is in epigenetics. And what epigenetics teaches us is that what we thought was just social learning is actually deeply embedded in the genetic code of certain individuals. So what your ancestors did is not just something that they did. What your ancestors did over time gets deposited into your sort of like genetic code and your coding. So you become a manifestation of your ancestral social knowledge. So if, you're, if your ancestral social knowledge is deposited into your genetic DNA, then you're, you're, you're intrinsically want to pass that off. When you tap into it, you can, you, can, you can lean into it. When you lean into it, you can express it more freely. Mm. Yeah. Oh, got it. I mean, you, 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 you be saying a word, man. <laughs> I'm sitting here, I'm like, I don't even know what I say now because I feel like he just... <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's love, y'all. Um. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I do want to go into, uh, you know, to hip hop. I, you know, I mean, I, I was on the, you know, last night's uh, versus with Snoop and and uh, and, and, and DMX, and um, you know, that was my your forty. I think you're forty two. Yeah. One, so like this was my the same era, my G. Yeah, yeah. My time, you know. So I, t I told people last night I broke my Snoop Dogg doggy style tape that I got from Fordham Road in the Bronx. Um, you know, what I'm saying like it's, it, it just broke. I listened to it so many times. Um, so there's always been this, um, I know hip hop ed is a, is a major part of what you, um, you know, communicate. And, uh, you know, this relates to super schools in, in a way because it relates to, you know, what's going on in the heads and hearts of, of, of our young people. Um, you, you, you sent a tweet um, that spoke to the misogyny and things to that effect that was a part um, of, of, of the music. And I know that it's, you know, I've had communication with people on, on how it's affected me and how I've had to, you know, kind of re, um, you know, train myself yeah. on, on some things. So, you know, I, I want you to, to, to you know, kind of go into hip hop, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, and where you see it playing a role um, in, in, in super schools, like what it looks like on an, mm. on an actual day. Yo, here's the thing with hip hop, and, and we all have to understand this. Hip hop, like any other phenomena on the face of the planet, is 
composed of a, a, a bevy of complex phenomena that exists in the world, which means that hip hop is going to be loving, it's going to be kind, it's going to be elucidating, it's it's going to be violent, it's going to be it's going to be uh, uh, misogynistic, it's going to be homophobic. Why? Because hip hop takes what exists in the universe and in the world around us and it magnifies it. That's what it all, so it's always done. So if there's misogyny in America, hip hop is like, word? Y'all think y'all misogynistic? Let me show you hyper misogyny. Right, right. Y'all think y'all homophobic? Word, we about to turn all the way up. Here's extra homophobia. Um, and, and, and because of that, I think that oftentimes people look at hip hop and only accentuate the things that are part of the hip hop that are inherently negative. One, we don't look at society, how it explains that negative negativity. And it also doesn't give us the, the fact that every human being has to reconcile all of their tensions in order to find what is beautiful and what they have to offer and then critique what is problematic about what you love so you can grow. Mm. So I'm not going to excuse the misogyny in hip hop. I'm not going to excuse Snoop or DMX. At the same time, I know when DMX played slipping, my soul shook. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know what it feels like to feel like, you know, in the words of Biggie, I know what it feels to wake up fucked up, pockets broke as hell. And I, like, I know that feeling. And so hip hop lets us know the feeling that we have. It expresses it in negative ways. What we have to do is we have to train hip hop to be better than it was. Mm. You don't abandon it, you develop it. You don't say hip hop, you're misogynistic, so I'll never listen to you ever again. We say hip hop, you're misogynistic, and that's problematic because black women are queens. Now I'm gonna teach you to love yourself and love our sisters the much the same way that you love yourself. And it's like, mm. you know, when we get to the point where we start abandoning our own culture, what else is there? What you gonna do? Build what you gonna build schools on? Textbooks? You gonna you gonna build books on history textbooks written by folks who have completely erased black history? Or are you gonna build your um your your school on on a curriculum that in, that inherently describes blackness as problematic? Mm. Or are you going to build your school on standards that have no personal human standards of a value of black and brownness? What are you going to build it on? Um, uh, um, stories that were told by your oppressor about how messed up you are? Or are you going to build it on textbooks that has no representation of black and brown bodies or excellence in it? They, like, if you're going to build a school on something, build it on something that's yours. Then train what is yours to be better. Mm. So hip-hop has to be a part of any school because there's no artifact in our time that can capture the imaginations of the youth and capture the imaginations of the public like hip hop. Mm. There's no mechanism that we've known since the beginning of time that can sell a story and speak truth to power like hip hop. There's no phenomenon that I know of that a person can articulate a story and make your soul feel alive like hip hop. Now, could you imagine if you took that phenomenon and you translated that towards the pursuit of knowledge? Woo! And we have now I'm gonna use that same that. thing. What? The same thing that makes your soul feel like, oh my God, I want to just, I just want to, I just want to turn up. I just want to, I just want to get lit. I just want to get excited. And you'd be like, yo, by the way, get excited towards learning too. Let me, let me, let me put you onto these black holes and wormholes and how the universe works also. And if you can ignite the same passion young folks have for hip hop for learning, there's no limit to the potential of black and brown bodies. Mm -hmm. And I think when we, when we abandon our culture in pursuit of something that our oppressor has given us, you can't do super anything except super underachieved because that's what it's built to do anyway yeah yeah i everything you're saying kind of like speaks to me on a, on a deeper level one as someone who's walking into a classroom um full time in a month or so um in the south bronx um a place where i have never lived and so i am trying to figure out the ways in which 
what made me excited about learning, what made me want to come to school was very different than the students that I'm going to be serving. And I have yeah. to be okay with that. And yeah. so just in you talking, there's so much passion behind it. There's so much love behind it, which is so necessary uh, for education. I just want you to talk a little bit about um, the stereotypical teacher that we see in movies and on TV and this boring person who sits at the front of the class and talks at you for hours and just talk about the different alternatives to that that are going to make students live into that same passion and excitement and love that you're showing right now because again like we keep saying um that's what's going to change the world uh, an, an ignition of love of learning listen teaching without passion is just talking mm. you know what i mean um and so passion is a necessary component to being an effective educator now the question is well how do you give people passion if they don't have it then you have to create the conditions to allow a person a person to feel passionate Right. And so for me, it's like, you know, they say, like, Yo, Dr. E, why are you so passionate about education? Because I'm passionate about my people. Because I'm passionate about freedom. Right. I'm passionate about the possibilities. I go to sleep at night and I, and I dream about what it would look like if black folks were free. Mm. Like I, I, I say to myself, look at what we've been able to do with a whole system designed for us to be broken. Mm. Right. Like with a whole school system that denies you of your own form of expression and we still able to make it. We still able to have black presidents and CEOs or whatever. Could you imagine what the possibilities could be if we were allowed to be free with Pat? And it's like, it's like, you know, I think teachers just sometimes forget that. I think the nature of this work was just like, you know, get your credential, you know, and then, you know, they put you in a classroom and then, you know, cover this subject. Like that doesn't allow you for passion. Yes. One second, y'all. What's up, son? <laughs> You good? While he's talking to his son, I just want to let everybody know if y'all got Twitter and you're not tweeting, uh, teaching without passion is just talking, then you're not using Twitter properly. And I just started learning how to use it yesterday. So tag us both <laughs> and put it yeah, up. Yeah, man. So, so yeah, part of the work is igniting that passion, is understanding the possibilities and knowing the, you know, that, that if we could reimagine where we could be, um, if, if like, you know, play the what if game. Like, what if we had school designed for us? Mm. It's a wrap. You know what I mean? What if teachers understood that your your connection to young people is more about authenticity than what you know? I would rather any day of the week have a teacher who does not understand the content but has a passion and love for young people teach my young people the content because then they can learn the content together. And then I know that there's no ego around content knowledge acquisition because we can pursue that knowledge together. And, and it's like, it's reimagining what learning is. Like learning is not about or teaching is not about having one person have all the information and giving it to somebody else. Teaching is about having a passion enough for the subject and a curiosity about the subject to allow that same passion and curiosity to be awakened in the young person. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when I go to teach kids, I act like I don't know. They're like, Dr. E, um, what, what do I do with the subscript when I'm balancing the equation? Man, I don't know. <laughs> Dr. E, how you don't know? You a, you, a, you a whole scientist. How you don't know? Bam, I don't know. We're going to have to figure this one out together. That question is hard. And I, and I mess up on purpose and I struggle on purpose and I ask them questions. And before long, I start modeling for them what it looks like to not give up, mm. right? I'm like, damn, I don't know what to do with that subscript. Yo, yo, it's, yo, it's stressing me out. I'm about to just quit. Nah, I can't quit. I can't quit because I got to teach y'all and I got to understand this. Yo, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to learn it with y'all. Y'all just watch me as I figure this out. But if y'all want to help me out, help me out because we got to learn this right together. And, and that, that idea of shared responsibility for the acquisition of content knowledge, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That transforms teaching and learning. 
I've never heard that before and I, and I absolutely love it. And I feel like I'm going to just on that sit and contemplate because mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it's, I feel like that, that, yeah, that there's a whole um, workshop, you know, to be given on, on how to communicate with, with, with kids where you enroll them in the process of, of you know, of, of, you know, I don't know being okay, but it's, I don't know. And now we're going to do this, not, I don't know. And so that means, you know, let me chuck the book, you know. And think about it. We, we do it with babies, right? We do it with babies. And so why is it that as they get older, we stop giving them the ability to search, to be curious, to be, to be confused, to all mm. the things. We do it with babies. We don't teach a baby. You don't make, pick the legs up of a baby and make them walk. They figure it out. And so, and, and, and that is the most beautiful thing to me about teaching um, and, and in my experiences teaching thus far have, have given me the most just excitement and passion. One, yes. lessons where I implemented hip hop and allowed my students, I was like, listen, I'm a 40 year old white woman who has never heard of whoever the hottest guy in Brooklyn is right now. Play me one of his songs and explain to me line by line what he's saying. So you, yes. know, you just did reading comprehension, right? Now let's do yeah. it. And Yo. so figuring out these, it, it, it's just, there's so many different ways in which yes. to get through. And I think the problem is that there's so many people who are sitting right here and are like, yeah, but this is easy. When getting right here is just, it, it's, it's one more step. It's just yes. one more. Yes. Yo, you know, the beautiful thing about what you said, because I think when you, when you approach the work from that lens, you know, you don't get old. Mm. You know what I mean? You ever met somebody? They like 22. Like, damn, you old. Like, you talk old, you act old. Like, you ain't got no swag. Like, I think it's because, like, life teaches people that the older they get, the more they need to take off their ability to be inquisitive and to play. Mm. And so, you know, by the time a teacher gets into the classroom, it's like they, they become so serious. And learning is really more about play than anything else. The, the way that anybody learns is by playing. Children learn by playing, making mistakes, falling, getting up again and then returning to play. And so I think sometimes we've erased the art of play from the process of teaching. Mm. And I think that when you could be 70 years old and still have a youthful spirit and energy because you still believe in play and you still believe in discovery and you still believe in having fun. Mm. And I think that that's a big piece of teaching and learning that it doesn't feel like labor. It's a distinction between work and labor. You know what I mean? Like labor is like, oh my gosh, this is a struggle for me to be able to get things done. Like I go to work every day and I love it. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I love talking to black on black education. Y'all lit. You know what I mean? I gave a lecture earlier. Before that, I went to talk to a bunch of kids who are in middle school. Um, and I, we did a little talk. Like I, when you love what you do, it's no longer laborious. And I think that teachers have to learn to find the joy and the play in their teaching, right? Like for example, this black on black ed, right? I'm like, yo, I got a chat. So this means that I can't watch my kids playing and I got to sit back and I got to get a t-shirt and like, yo, we, we chilling. We talking education. Ain't nothing more lifting education. We could chill and build. I'm like, yo, time out. My son over there, I'm going to go get him. We're going to come back. And that does not detract from the intellectual heft of the conversation. It doesn't make this less serious. It doesn't make it less scholarly. Like we could do this and still live. And I think that teachers have to remember that this work is about love. It's about joy. It's about play. Don't nobody want no teacher who corny and old and don't want to have fun. <laughs> I, I see you, son. And so that part matters too. So, 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 so we actually are gonna. We're gonna. I love everything you said. 
but then we got, we, we are going to go and get a little serious because, you know, okay. I just read that Betsy DeVest f- fell and she hit her head, yo. And so, you know, and now you get to replace her. Uh, no, she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. She'll, she'll, she'll be fine. But, you know, you she'll get to, be all right. She's going to be all right. You replace her for the, you know, for the immediate, um, uh, you know, for the, for the immediate term. You know she lost her memory. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, so what are what are you doing? Like, you know, what I'm saying the, the 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 day one that you're in charge of it. You know, day day one where you know you're in charge of you know not just super school. You're in charge of super system. Um, mm. what, what does what 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 do you do on day one um, to touch, move, inspire? Um, you know, everybody who agrees with you, who disagrees with you, um, and 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 the people who whose job it's going to be to to take what you're about to say and then go do the work. You know, you know the first thing you do is you build the exemplar. You, you, can't, you can't talk all day long. You know, the first thing I do is garner the resources to create the school that is going to be the model, the super school that everybody else is going to follow. I think it's the only way to do this work. And, you know, I ain't going to give away too much information, but, you know, you, you got you, you to gotta do the work and research in multiple spaces, and then you got to create the school. And then once you create the school, you got to use that as the exemplar that everybody gets trained through and that everybody sees what it looks like. And you got to also be able to do the work. Like, you know, we, we don't need no secondary education. We ain't never been in no classroom. <laughs> so for me, you know, day one, we start creating the school. Day two, I'm going with a team of folks who I know are teacher teachers, not just regular smuggler teachers, like teacher teachers. And we're going to go to every single school and model what it looks like to be an effective uh-huh. educator. We're going to record them joints. And then we're going to have training across the nation on effective delivery of information. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and then we're going to use the school that we create as the hub where we not only train and cycle folks through, but we allow young folks who've been the most oppressed by schooling to be the ones who exist in that space. Not as a experimental of people that we're going to experiment on, but the folks who benefit the most from where the most resources. A reversal of the existing tide in education. So walk us through the school then. Let's, you know, it's 7 a.m. On the, on the first day. You have to see. Hold on. Y'all making me want to give away some secrets, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to hold us together. But <laughs> you are finished, son, son? Okay, so we, um, you know, f- first things first, I don't want y'all to, you know, I don't feel like I'm, I'm stunting too much with the um, pool in the backdrop and all that. <laughs> um, you know, first thing once, it's like when, when kids walk into the school, the first thing is how are you greeted? So you got to have a cadre of folks in, who, who usher young folks into the school that speaks to their spirit. I'm talking about walking to the school to receive affirmations, mm. right? That you are genius, you are brilliant, you are great by virtue of who you are. One thing I know we won't be having is no damn metal detectors and no bars on windows. So that goes in first. Then we begin with meditation, collective meditation, the entire community. It could be with music in the backdrop. It could be with drums in the backdrop. It could be with silence. We'll rotate that for different days with mm. folks who have different leanings to get that done. The, sec- the, the, the next thing we would do is when you get into your particular classroom for content areas, we have uh, do now or opening activities that are reflective of the unique communities that anybody is from. So, you know, a Fordham Road-based curriculum, a Crotona Boulevard-based curriculum. So the exemplars that we're using are community-rooted and community-based. Uh, the content knowledge acquisition is based on a project-based learning enterprise. So we are all creating a project that we're learning content through that is a project that is going to be about meeting the needs of one community need. So the first thing, we, you know, before we even get the school started, we've already went into the community and said, what would y'all want? Y'all want a, a, a shop opened up? Y'all want a park opened up? Y'all want swings opened up? And all of those things will be created for and by young people and receive content knowledge through the creation of a project that benefits the community. Um, so it looks like that. We all got our, our unique activities. 
The next thing we're doing is we're not sitting in the classroom all day. We're going to our internships and different spaces so we can have adults who are not in the classroom school day be able to pour life to young people. We reconvene at the end of the day, reflect back on our experiences. We all have a panel of sorts where we're describing what we learned as it relates to content. We leave to our, with, our, with, our, with our, our meditation and prayer and reflection. And we come back tomorrow and make magic again. Mm, mm. Okay, so where's the school? When can I enroll? Because um, I'd love to be doing that. We're working on it. We're working on it, sis. It's, like, for real. I, I think last night we were talking, and for folks on here who are new to Black on Black Education, we have a Black Education Conference coming August 22nd and 23rd. Please, please, please get your tickets. It's going to be incredible. Because we're going to be having conversations just like this in depth, arming people with sort of the knowledge of others um, and to create a collective action forward, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that is something that you touched on and I want to kind of get a little deeper into it. Community is so incredibly important when it comes to educating a child. Everybody says it takes a village. It truly, truly, truly does. And that village is not always going to be biological. And, and, and so we need to make sure that we're building these villages for young people. And so just talk a little bit about parent involvement, community engagement, all of the sorts of things that we are lacking um, in, in the traditional education system as it pertains to making sure that the students in the school are connected with the world around them and ready for the world after they leave. I mean, look, the reason why it's lacking, let's, be, let's just keep it a buck. The reason why uh, communities are lacking from schools is because schools have extracted the community. It's not because the community is disengaged or disinterested or doesn't want to show up. We, we, schools have not made the active effort to be able to allow the community to be connected. And so the, the first thing you got to do is you got to go to the community. And I, I would make the argument, you don't even go to the family first. The family's going to come. <laughs> I, I, people misconstrue this. Like, you don't go to the family first. You go to the hood, the community first. Once you've established and created a community, that, that those extended family structures, the family recognizes that you're real and really about that life. Because families already feel as though schools don't want them there. So you're battling against not just like, you know, they might not like you. They're, they're, they're battling against a history of the extraction of the family from the school. Mm -hmm. So me, like, and we've done this when I used to teach at Marie Curie High School in the Bronx. Like we went like, first things first, we went to all the local stores. We went to the bodega, we went to the pizza shop, we went to all the places where the kids used to go and gather. And we spoke to the owner of those shops and said, yo, we're a new school. These kids are special. Yo, do me a favor, yo. When the kids is buying, um, you know, y'all there? You're good. Yeah. When the kids are buying a pizza, when the kids are buying a pizza from your shop, yo, I'm going to give you a list of kids who's on the honor roll. Give them like 50 cents off the slice. Daddy. Word. Yeah. So now we start creating currency for academic Daddy. achievement in the community. Daddy. Now the parents are going to go to the store and see that their kids' face is on a bulletin board at mm -hmm. the corner store for doing something good. They're going to be like, yo, this school is popping. Now the school ain't got to chase a parent who's already been disengaged. The, school, the, the parent is chasing the school because they realize that the school sees value in their baby. Once the school expresses a value for the young person, the community and the parents all follow suit. So don't play a battle where you're fighting somebody who don't trust you because they have a reason not to trust you. Mm. Right. You got to create a, 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 a evidence that you truly care in the community and everybody follows suit afterwards. Yes, I love that. So and I'm just gonna. I love it. I'm just gonna say real quick, everybody, you know who, who who's on. Um, we're gonna open up, open it up for questions in a little bit. So if you if you guys wanna you know start pulling together, um, you know we'll we'll, we'll pull you on to ask your question. Um, what were you gonna say? No, go ahead. Um, you know it. Uh, it's just it's so much. I mean it's it, it is it's a big challenge, and and I really feel like we we do have 
um, the, the the answers. One thing I do want to ask you and, and, and your your opinion on it, and see if you you know something that you've given thought to. I imagine you have. Um, I, I always think about grades and the idea that um, you know children are supposed to go to first grade, and everybody who's you know six years old is supposed to be you know this role for. Um, you know, for, for math and for science and for, and for everything. Um, in, in a project-based learning type, you know, environment, you know, how, how do you break with the system that everybody has to be in first, second, third grade, and maybe, you know, make it put first, second, and third together and fourth, fifth, sixth together and, and, and allow people to, 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 to learn to mastery, to learn to master Brother. objects. See now, now you talking some stuff that I don't know if everybody here ready for. Because now, <laughs> now, because now we talking about an Afrocentric approach to instruction. Okay. That was always about groupings. It was always you, you're in a group of folks who are in your own social age range group, but ability, like it varies completely. So you can have a 13 year old and a seven year old in the same classroom, because it's about the mastery of a particular content area. And they go back and convene with folks who are their own age for the sake of social networking. Yes. And now, if you're going to go all the way there, now we start talking about interdisciplinary classrooms. Ooh. That the notion of a science classroom, a math classroom, an English classroom, an art classroom, a history classroom as separate is a function of a very, very Eurocentric tradition that has nothing at all to do with a more rooted, grounded, transdisciplinary and interdisciplinary approach to instruction because I can teach anything through my content as my entry point. If I teach a science class, I can teach kids how to write essays. I can teach them about punctuation. I can teach them about history. I can teach them about art and culture through my content. So the idea that content knowledge is only pursued by a person who has expertise in one area alone is a flawed construct. And the reason why we do it, I mean, I don't want to go, let me go real quick. The reason why we do it is because the way that schools have been structured were really for an industrial era where you want folks to be able to develop mechanistic understandings and knowledge so they can go and work in a factory or a more agrarian model where it's like learn something real quick and go in. Like the approach to instruction that we're employing in 2020 is one that was built out of the industrial revolution and not one that was built on the acquisition of content knowledge, a passion for learning. So you need transdisciplinary and interdisciplinary classrooms where young folks have social groupings with kids of their age group, but they're grouped based on what they want to pursue. Yes, son, son. You want to go, you want to go, you want me to go inside with you? All right, y'all going to have to rock with me as I walk, as I walk with young Malcolm. No worries. I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still no, here. I, 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 life is life. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about interdisciplinary, right? So I am a product of the CUNY system. I mm. went. Me into, too. Yes. I went into John Jay College, but then I went into their CUNY baccalaureate program where I created my own major, um, where I studied the sociology of educational inequity and social justice in underserved communities. So mm. I had the opportunity, unlike some folks who had a lower GPA than I did, which makes no sense to me, um, to create my own major, decide what professors I was gonna take, decide what it, me it meant to, to complete my degree. It was completely and totally, I had the full autonomy of doing that. And it gave oh. me so much power as a student because I had power over what I decided I wanted to learn. And mm -hmm. why we think that this isn't something that we should do for everyone, um, is ludicrous to me because the idea that I need to follow this step to get to my end goal 
doesn't make sense. And so what you were just talking about is so indicative of that. And kind of before we, we break out and allow folks to uh, ask questions, I just want to round it out to let you say what it is that you and what platform with all the educators who are on here right now, what is it that you would say to them about implementing Listen, one thing we have to understand is our role as educators is to hack the system. It's, it's, it's not to follow the system. It's to be able to reimagine the system. So you see the structure of the classroom as it exists, and you say, okay, given this confining structure, what is it that I can do within this to reimagine it to meet the needs of young people? And so hacking the classroom looks like, okay, boom, they want us to do, you know, do nows. So our do nows are going to be about using images from the community that young folks can choose to be the anchor of the instruction, boom. So even within the confining structure, you create the space for a more imaginative approach to instruction. And I think teachers don't understand that their role is to hack it. They think their role is to follow it. But if you're following something that your purpose is to be able to reimagine, then you're always gonna end up lost. Mm. Um, and you said something so brilliant about, about um, your trajectory, right? Like you, you are a really smart, brilliant student who did well. So because of that, you were given the luxury of creating options. When in reality, the luxury of creating options should have been provided for everybody if the goal was to get everybody to be successful, which makes you realize then that the goal was not to have everybody be successful. The model of schooling is one where I will oppress you and then you'll be free later. Daddy. And folks get so oppressed and never get the freedom. What up, son? Go get it. You can do it. You can do anything you want to do. He's teaching us right here how to raise these babies. There you go. Try mine. And you can go. My fault, y'all. No, no worries. No worries. Every, everybody start to, you know, pull, pull your, pull your, pull your questions chat. together. One thing I definitely want to give you the opportunity to do is, um, is speak to the book. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's sold out um, on, on, on Amazon right now. That happened, that happened fast. Um, but, you know, speak, speak, speak to that and, um, and, you know, how that connects to this whole conversation. You know what I mean? What, what, what will people pick up in there? Yo, what I tried to do in that book for white folks who teach in the hood and the rest of y'all too. So if you, if you, if you, you know, black on black education is the rest of y'all too, you know what I mean? But what I try to do in that book is offer a philosophy for teaching and learning, um, but also offer some practical strategies to allow us to be able to get to that point. So I iron out, you know, th this approach that I developed called reality pedagogy, which focuses on the reality of the experiences of young people as the anchor of the instruction. And it's not about giving teachers like a, a, a like a step-by-step -step process but giving them some things that they can do to allow them to be able to get the step-by-step -step process that they need to be effective for young people. Mm. Um, and then generally, uh, uh, um, you know, a recognition of, you know, what, what white folks pedagogy looks like in classrooms. And it's not a demonizing of white folks, but it's a recognition that a Eurocentric tradition in education has not done well for black and brown bodies. And how do we reimagine that system? Um, and how do we make sure that it's a more equitable system? A lot of folks in the contemporary are talking about anti-racism and they talk about cultural relevance. I think it all stems from the same space. Create opportunities for you to be able to um, allow young folks to be able to be their full, most actualized selves within the system of schooling. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do it within the system of schooling, how do you reimagine a system of schooling to allow for freedom to happen? Um, and so the book is about reality pedagogy. I, I go through seven C's, which are the seven steps in the process of reality pedagogy. And I talk about a lot of other concepts like neo-indigeneity, uh, about uh, some, some, some quotes and, uh, and uh, meditation points 
or at the end of the book that I give to educators to be able to sort of think about their work and their position in it. Um, and, um, and then in January, I got a new joint coming out, which I'm really excited about, which is entitled Ratchetemic. And it's about, you know, how do you exist in this world being equally as ratchet and as academic and what kind of steps you can take to be able to construct that identity. And uh, that'll be out in January, 2021. If you need somebody to uh, to to read, you know the, the where, where you at with Goodbye. it with it now. You know, what I mean, I, I'm happy to to <laughs> take a look and Goodbye. give you some. I might pick you up on that, King. I might pick you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we want to give uh, the folks on the line an opportunity to uh, to to ask some questions to Dr. Emden. Um, if you could just uh, you can throw them in the chat. If you want to come yeah. off mute and ask a question, come off mute and ask a question. Um, yeah, we we've got. 14 minutes left and we want to maximize that time so that everybody on here gets the opportunity to kind of get their questions answered and get closer and closer to the super school that we, we want so badly to create for these kids. Yeah. Oh, hello. Hi. Okay. Hi, I'm Jasmine. Um, I've been following your work for a long time. I actually met you at Tip Summit. Um, oh, dope. Yes. And so um, one of my biggest things is um, uh, I'm a recent graduate in education policy, and I want to create a hip hop and literacy app. But my biggest problem is how can we closely um, close the generation gap in hip hop? Um, so like, say mm. I'm 22, but I grew up on Ice Cube. I can name all the lyrics to um, Why Skates Rap Got Me Do I can name every Outkast song and everything. But I'm talking to the new generation. Um, yeah. I just watched an episode of Blackish last night and they talk about Prince and the kids not knowing who Prince was. Yeah. So my, my biggest thing is how can we close the, um, the hip hop generation app, um, generation um, gap? Gap. Yes. Yeah, when you talk about code switching and everything. Yo, that's a brilliant question. Brilliant question. I think, listen, anything, uh, one of my favorite quotes is by France Fanon. And it says, anything can be explained to the people on a simple condition that you want them to understand. Mm. If, young, if you feel like young folks ain't connected to the, um, the original hip hop, guess what? If you have a desire to make them understand that you introduce them to it, they will. And I feel like a super school has to have a cultural appreciation course where, where young folks understand the roots of the culture that they have created. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I want young folks to listen to a song and in the class we identify the sample and we trace the sample back into where that came from. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that that is also a type of knowledge that's essential. So if you want to close that gap, sis, you just got to introduce it to the young folks. Believe it or not, they listen. They want to listen. I, I used to walk into my classroom. I, I just play like some OJs. They'd be like, what is this? This is mad old. <laughs> and then before long, they singing people all over the world. Like it, it's, it's really about our desire to have them understand, lessen their willingness to understand. If you bring it to them, they will listen. Trust. And then also, it's also got to be us being like, you know, you can't also be so old that you can't listen to what they listening to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like uh, hip hop. I, you know, I, it's just Biggie, just Biggie and Jay-Z for me. You know, I, you know, just the poor rights of teachers for me. Nah, they, they some young cats are saying some stuff. Lil Baby's new, new, new um, joint around the Black Lives Matter protest. Brilliant work. YBN Corday, he's spitting. Yes. He is spitting. Yeah, Cole is the middle child, but Cole is spitting. He got some slip-ups, we forgive him, but he's spitting. And so the notion that hip-hop ended when, when you were young is so problematic. So if you want young folks to listen to your music, then you got to be willing to listen to their music. Then you have a cultural exchange process. 
and it can happen in school and in the classroom. I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try Thank some of young, young, young people music. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Another question. Go ahead. Um, I have a question. Um, it's not a fully formed thought, so stick with me for a minute. Um, I, you, something you said one time at a black male educators um, conference what has become the hashtag of my existence. And you said in talking about like, building schools similar to the super school we're talking about is we don't need them y'all and I've been using that to drive my steps because I got into education through all the Kool-Aid Teach for America charter school existence all that shit where they like played on my passion mm -hmm. um and I've been trying to figure out like as I'm giving myself the courage to step away from that ish like, how do I then also protect what I'm building in my kids from those same mm -hmm. ideals? Because we also know that they love our ish and take it and turn it into their versions that then yes. force us to be reinventing the wheel and doing the same things to our mm -hmm. kids. Um, so I guess, like, how do we go about protecting us as we build this idea? First of all, first of all, you just delivered a whole word. I, you know, you sometimes you can't just respond to a question. And you know what's so funny? People say like, you know, my, my thoughts are not yet fully formed. The and thoughts are fully formed. formed. <laughs> the words, the words just can't capture the power and the passion of the thought. And and this is this is always the thing that I that I that I engage with with black and brown folks. And I'm not trying to call you out, so please forgive me if it comes no, off that I, way. Look, I'm here to learn. Yo, our our thoughts. You know, Jay once said, "I'm so far ahead of my time. I'm about to start another life. Look behind you. I'm about to pass you twice." And what happens for us is our, our, our thoughts are so complex and layered and so fully formed in a world that's beyond the present that words are so, words are not powerful enough to capture the emotion. Sometimes when I'm engaging with folks like you, because you got that sauce, I can feel it. You ain't even got to articulate the sentence. You just got to be like them playing passion. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know. Like, and first of all, that's the first thing. The second thing, a whole word with playing on my passion. Mm-hmm. You don't see, you only see the half of me. You don't see the, you don't see my feet. <laughs> you don't see my feet right now. That right there yep. is everything. And I think, I think, sis, the, the way that you, the way that you work towards not allowing your passion, your purpose, your mission, and your vision to be played with is when you see the co-option of it, you call it out in the immediate. Because mm. it doesn't, that's, this doesn't happen, it doesn't happen like um, overnight. It's a it's an eased process. Yeah, I, I, put, I put a tweet out the other day and folks got mad at me. I said, yo, watch what they do with anti-racism. They about to turn into culturally relevant pedagogy. And when I said it, people like hit me up on a DM. Like, why would you say something like that? Anti-racism is the goal. Anti-racism is the goal, but the goal is not the language or the words. The goal is the feeling. When the words get adopted into the discourse of power and gets articulated by a person whose work is about oppression, it means that they have taken the word, colonized it, and trying to sell you back something that you feel in your soul. So we've got to be able to call that out. Not everybody that says anti-racist is about anti-racist work. Not everybody that says cultural relevance is on your team. And so you have to ask people, what do you mean by that? Please articulate that more clearly for me. And we are so excited to have, I don't want to, we're so excited to have folks of other persuasions 
adopt our language, that we don't realize that what they're going through is a co-option of our discourse for the sake of undermining our purpose. Mm. Yep. People ask me all the time, like, why, why you have to name it reality pedagogy? I said, because they done effed up culturally relevant pedagogy. pedagogy. I have to do something else. And somebody might come along the line, and I'm going to protect reality pedagogy, but they might come and abuse reality pedagogy. And when that comes, I'm going to call them out, and then we're going to have to reinvent that. And we don't reinvent for the purpose of just coming up with more fancy terms. Reinvent for the, take, for the sake of reimagining and recreating, because we recognize that the power of the work has been adopted and taken and repurposed by the oppressor. And I, when I say oppressor, folks are like, why are you talking about oppressor so much? Because it's oppressive. <laughs> it's oppressive. You forced me to go into a school. I got to go to school every single day to face somebody who undermines my purpose, my potential, and my joy, who teaches me content in a way that makes me have a bad relationship to that content. And then I come out of it, I either don't graduate or I graduate having a shell of my former self. That's oppression. Mm. And so you got to call it out when you see it and when you hear it. And you gotta and you gotta tap back into your soul and your source consistently. You know, I, I I gave a talk to some folks at Lincoln Center today, and I was like, listen, you you know, you you lose your purpose when it's about you. Mm. You ignite your mission when it's about us. And a lot everybody wanna be the next education superhero star. I'm not interested in that shit. I mean, if, if folks get inspired by my work, I give thanks for it. But I wanna work with folks. I don't wanna be a, I don't wanna be I don't wanna be nobody's hero. I, I want to build community. But why do you think I'm on black on black? Hey, yo, let me, let me keep it a buck with y'all. I am tired today. I had like seven, eight joints back to back to back to back. But my moment of leisure is engaging with my people about mm -hmm. the work. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's about, you know, allowing yourself to understand this, that you're part of a collective. You're, you're, you're in unison with. I'm going to give you a, one quick example, if I may. Mm -hmm. there was this there was this um if you go up in photoshop or you do any advanced mathematics there's this curve it's called it's called the uh benet curve and that that curve is developed by this guy who was a a, a, a mathematician a french mathematician and you remember them old cars like citroens or, or renaults the, they, they have this like really weird beautiful curves in the front of it so they, this guy was creating these amazing curves and he developed a formula to be able to calculate that curve and a bunch of scientists went and followed this and they said, wow, this guy is amazing. And we, we read his autobiography and he said, I am the most genius mathematician of my time, blah, 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 blah. And then we looked at this curve and folks are looking at indigenous Native American folks and how they created curves in when they were making wigwams or when they were making bows and arrows. And when they look at the bows and arrows and, the, and all these things that these folks are creating, they realize that these folks were creating the curves as well. So the scientists said to the, to the um, indigenous folks, where did y'all learn these curves from? And indigenous folks said, well, we, you know, we listen to everybody. They said, well, who's the body? Because I want to know how to get this done. And he said, we listened to every, we went out into the forest and we listened to all the people. And the guy went out in the forest and said, there was nobody in the forest. <laughs> and, he, and he said, did you listen to the trees? Because the trees taught us how to be able to bend them to the perfect mathematical curve. Mm. And so what that person said was, everybody in my circle informs what I do to help me bend towards the arc of justice. Mm -hmm. But the Eurocentric model says, I came up with the model as I created a car, it's mine. When it's all about you, mm. when it's all about you, it stops and ends with you. Mm -hmm. When it's all about us, you understand that everybody has something to offer in the collective, right? And so you have to, the, the, another way to do this is to, when anybody talks about only them and don't talk about us, stop listening. Wow. Wow. I mean, you, 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 you um, 
Yeah, you said yeah. a word. You said a whole lot of words. We, we, nah, we, my sister said the word. You right. know what I mean? My sister said the word. <laughs> you know but but whatever, it's, it's that we part. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it, right. it, it is, you know, she 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 gave you an alley-oop. You know what I mean? And didn't even know she was doing it. You know what I mean? Mm. But it's it's a part of that, that, that connection because everybody on here at 7 o'clock on a Thursday night when they could be watching, I mean, Scandal's gone, but they could be watching <laughs> something else. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People are here because we love the kids and we love um, one another and, and we want to see um, this work progress, and we're committed to doing so. So say love again, man. I, th- uh, I think yes. we forget about that part. Yes. Love, radical love, agape love, yes. love of self and love of others, love of the continuum, love of the beauty of blackness, love for the possibilities, and 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 folks have abandoned love as the anchor of teaching. You know, we exist in a world where we just abandon this idea of love, y'all. You know what I mean? Do you love your subject? Do you love your students? Do you love your craft? Do you love the mission? Do you love the vision? And if you ain't got no love, we don't need you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Let all of us that draw from the well of radical love do the work together mm. and leave us alone. Common said, only love, love, love can reboot us. And, uh, you know, Facts. And, 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 I, and, I, and I absolutely positively agree wholeheartedly. So, uh, you know, Chris, we sh- we really, really, really appreciate you. Nah, salute. I, listen, I I, I just want to support. I hope that this is the first of many. We we want to thank everybody who uh you know who came out tonight. You know, we hope you guys continue to join us. Uh, we're gonna throw the uh, Black on Black Education link, uh, the Black Co- Education Conference. I'm sorry, link into um the the, the fold. You know. Chris, we I think we might, we might have, you know like kick somebody out, you know what I'm saying, to to make some space for you. You know what I'm saying? Shoot me an email, let me know. Like if you know if, if there's a part for you, if you'd like to uh, you know play it in in the uh, in any upcoming conference for sure. Um, you know we we're, we're going to be having similar conversations to this. I'm not sure if anybody can do it as powerfully, you know um, but you know like with it, it's 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 absolutely going to. Be it's fun, it's so. shared work, beloved. It's shared work. Keep going. Keep moving. Get pushing. I'm glad to be able to get in here early because I y'all gonna blow up and transform the whole game. And I'm like, yo, I got a chance to kick it with them early. So I'm thankful for the opportunity. Um, everybody, see, um, hip hop ed hashtag hip hop ed Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. on Twitter. Join the conversation. Uh, hashtag um at hip hop ed on Insta- on Instagram. Hit me up at ad Chris if you have questions or thoughts or reflections. Make sure you follow Black on Black Education and the amazing work that they're doing. I'm about to go have dinner with my little ones. But yeah. let's, let's, let's lead and move with radical love and create the super schools that all our babies need. You heard? Thank you. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Get your tickets for the Black, the Black Education Conference. <laughs> I do it every time. The Black Education Conference, we appreciate y'all so much. Have an incredible night. Thank you, everybody. Peace, y'all. Thanks again for everybody who's listened. If you've reached this point, I know that you thoroughly enjoyed the conversation the same way we enjoyed having it. Um, and we appreciate the support. Uh, make sure you follow at Black on Black Ed on Instagram, on YouTube, on Twitter. Um, stay up with us, man. Engage with us. Help us figure out what it's going to take to transform education in black communities. Um, if this is something that you think about, then we want to engage with you. Uh, appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you next time. Peace.